Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Disrupt Davao Podcast. My name is Regina Evangelista, and welcome to the show. And for those of you who are new to the show, this is a conversation series with entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors in Davao City during the times of COVID-19 pandemic. We want to know how our friends are doing, how their businesses are doing, how are they pivoting and thriving in this current climate. And we want them to be heard, discovered, and more importantly, we want them to feel supported, especially under these extreme circumstances we are in today. So my friends, without further ado, please help me welcome our next guest. Welcome back to another episode of Disrupt Davao Podcast, where we have the opportunity to meet entrepreneurs, disruptors, and innovators in Davao, especially during this pandemic. Yes, guys, we're still in the middle of it. It's been more than a year through these uncertain times. So I am always excited uh, whenever I'm given the opportunity to share stories that are positive, inspiring especially, you know, given our situation today. So I'm very excited to have Dr. Anjali Guadalupe, or Doc Gel for short. Uh, she is the founder of Sure Plus Davao, which is a social enterprise that aims to tackle the problem of food wastes and undernutrition in Davao City. Kaya nga sabi niya, yes, zero hunger, zero waste. You know, so I'm excited to discuss that. And their business and her business started just last March of 2020. So that's interesting. And welcome. So welcome, Doc Jell, to the show. How are Hello, you? Welcome. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. I know. I know this interview <laughs> is long overdue. I know you're very busy <laughs> being in the front line of this mm-hmm. pandemic yourself. So yes, please know stressful. that I really appreciate your time with us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you too for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I, I think let's get started with you. Yes. You, know, yes. You, are okay. doc- you are a doctor by profession mm-hmm. and then you're yes, also yeah. How, how, how does this all come about? <laughs> Actually, so I, I usually say to other people that I'm a physician by profession, but an environmentalist by purpose and a problem solver by passion. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Basically, I like solving problems. I like analyzing problems. Maybe I remember from the uh, business personality profile that you taught us in the UPT by workshop. From there, uh, I got to learn that I'm a strategist. So mm-hmm. that's why I like yeah solving problems and all. And then, yeah, so ever since, I've been active like in different civic groups uh, from school. Uh, from college up until med school, even up to now, um, I'm part of the Global Shapers group. And if you're familiar with that, there's a hub here in Davao. So it's really great. Actually, I got to be an environmentalist when I started uh, studying in Manila for college, yeah. then for medicine, because there it's really bad. So I was in the UP Manila campus and then everywhere, like how many cleanups we do. So I started becoming environmentalist when I studied uh, in Manila uh, for college and for medicine. Uh, it's, it's really bad there. Uh, our campus was in Ermita Malate, like the red light district, mm-hmm. like really in the center of Manila. If you've been there, like it's it's so crazy. Like there's trash everywhere. We did cleanup drives so many times. We did different um, information campaigns, but nothing has happened. So 
yeah, it, it's so frustrating. I even wrote my, my thesis in college was even on solid waste management. So I have been really passionate about the issue since then. My professor was actually kidding, like, are you going to write a book on this topic? So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how, yeah, that's how badly I want to solve it. But, you know, I don't have that much background on, I don't know, uh, materials engineering or like, yeah. you know, whatever that could help solve the plastics problem. Yeah. And then also in terms of food waste. So I usually study in cafes back then, especially in med school, you know, to keep us awake. I usually start at around uh, 8.30 p.m. because that's when this cafe that I frequent, that's when they usually throw uh, the trash. Uh, I mean, they're excess mm -hmm. um, pastries, you know, or no, 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 they, they have it at 50% off, like a discounted price. So yeah, so to save money, that's when I start studying. And then just it was a 24 hours cafe. So I would stay there sometimes up to 3 or 4 a.m. And then I'd see that, you know, they'd throw away those that were unsold because yeah. even if, you know, they slash the prices at 50% off, there are still pastries that you know still gets to be unsold and so they throw these away and then I ask around why do they throw it why do they just give it to the beggars outside you know like you can see in that area the scavengers yeah and then we're familiar with the concept of pag pag in yes in Tundo. like it's yeah it's very popular where people dust off and recook food from garbage so yes, yeah, so I asked them, why do they throw these food away when it's perfectly edible for other people to eat, you know? And then they said that it's because they donated before communities, they have these partner organizations. Unfortunately, some people in the community, they would rather earn more from pastries that were given to them by mm -hmm. selling them. So in the reselling process, so their brand is at stake because they can see their name and all. So right. yeah, so because right. that's such a huge risk for them, so they stopped doing that. They even told us that some chains, like also like some popular fast food chains we have, when they throw their excess food, they put water and soap in it so that people couldn't scavenge on the uh, wow. trash and the garbage anymore. Yeah, that's how bad it is. So you know, it's it's a really ironic problem to have uh, having food waste and people who are hungry that we see around us. So yeah, so that's it's how that's, I became passionate. That's crazy, you know, because we've yeah. seen we've seen it all over social media. We've seen videos of it. We've seen them in movies. Yes, but yes. it's a different experience having yeah. having to see it yourself and. And I think that's that's why you said, yes, okay, I need right. to do something. Yeah. And then as a doctor also, like, you know that how much calories like a person needs in a day and what proper nutrition should be composed of. And then it's really sad, especially when you see children, like street children being very malnourished. Because right. if children are malnourished in their first three years of life, their IQ in adulthood is already lowered irreversibly. Mm. So that's how it's important in the first um, 1,000 days of life that children would have proper nutrition. And then also those who are nourished until five years old, the deaths uh, within that age range, like 45% of deaths 
within that age range are due to undernutrition. So that's how bad it is. So yeah, that's um, why we really became passionate with this issue. So yeah. Then, so oh, sorry. And then so we had you 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 develop Sure Plus, right? Yes, yes. So I formed it with my friends from uh, Global Shapers Vow Hub. So it started with three of us. Yeah. So I'm a physician. I also took a master's on sustainability science, by the way, after medicine. So it's mm-hmm. quite a new course that I got from University of Tokyo in Japan. So at least that gave me uh, an overview of how to solve sustainability issues, and one of which is food waste. And then, so I have that background. My other co-founders, uh, Jason Occidenta, he has a tech background, and then um, Lizelle Salera has an entrepreneurial background. So I feel like that was a good mix for us to start. Yeah, we tried applying idea for grant funding, mm. and then fortunately we got in. So the grant was from the U.S. State Department. It's called YC or Young Southeast Asian Leaders Institute. Uh, Why Seeds for the Future Grant? So wow. it's actually other people, um, especially youth groups, could apply also for it. If you know, some listeners would be interested to join, so we were so lucky that. They liked our proposal, and from there we got a grant funding. It's a pretty amount. It's really helpful. So from there we got to start Plus. Yeah, so we cool. used that uh, the funding to start the website and yeah. a bit of our upcoming mobile app that we hope to release next year. So yeah, that's how it all started, and it was just supposed to be like a project. That the grant funding ended December last year, but then we saw the need for it, and we saw it could be sustained. So yeah. now we're continuing it, <laughs> despite you know how difficult it is to run a business in this pandemic. So yeah, yeah so, really it's, it's so basically, in a nutshell, yeah. uh, so Sure Plus is a business where you. Re resell uh, excess food, and then you repurpose, yes. and then re re you reallocate those food. Yes, right, right. So we're a social enterprise. First, we resell uh, surplus food from what we plan to uh, help uh, our farmers, groceries, restaurants. I'm not sure. Hopefully, households do, but that is mm-hmm. also like that's a great um, idea. A huge. Uh, yeah, that's another yeah challenge, but. Yeah, we're starting with them. We started farmers first, primarily because um, vegetables and fruits are very perishable, and farmers are the ones with a huge need for uh, financial help, especially during this uh, crisis. So, so we're helping them. We're also starting to talk with trees nowadays, but it's also more difficult with them because the suppliers, many of which are from outside Davao, so. Right. Which is important, also, yeah. And then the bureaucracies, everything, regulatory process—it's so long and complicated. So, I think it's going to take long because we plan like for this year we're going to open a store because mm-hmm. someone lent us a space. So we're really grateful. <clears throat> so you know how commercial spaces nowadays, like many of them, became vacant right. because the businesses closed down. Yeah. So there's this uh, building owner. So since she doesn't want the space to be wasted, and then she liked our advocacy, so she offered to us that we can use for at least a year. Then hopefully we'll see after that 
hopefully we could sustain the space. Yeah, and then in that store, we hope to sell like surplus from the groceries like at prices less than SRP. So this way people could afford more with the same amount of money. For those of uh, the groceries and other suppliers would like to donate. So these ones we would also give away. So it's like a food bank also at the same time. But we want it to be different in the sense that we wouldn't just give away food for free. So we want it to be more sustainable. We don't want to promote mendicancy or dependency. So it's like um, with the community pantries, however, we would give uh, food that is proportional to the uh, some recyclables that people would bring. So people could bring yeah. clean, segregated uh, plastics, papers, metals, etc. And then in exchange for these, that's when we give them food. Yeah, so at least there's some effort from their side. And then also, you know, there's this sense of fulfillment, empowerment from these people, you know, and not just really being dependent on getting food for free. So we hope that way we also get to solve the problem on other kinds of waste, not just food waste. So with this step, we hope that we're solving another problem to, in addition to the food waste that we're targeting now and then yeah from here i know we've got so many plans like uh we also hope to partner with local businesses especially those with reusable packaging so yeah. to promote reusable packaging among them um we will help them with the logistics like for example those who use glass bottles so it's like the old days you know and you collect mm -hmm. yeah bottles and then uh, you get refunds for giving them back, you know, or you get the deposit back, something like that. So we hope to have that arrangement going on with local businesses so that we promote, we get to promote the circular economy. And if you're familiar uh, with it, so circular economy is basically promoting uh, like green businesses that, yeah. yeah, in terms of the product life cycle, like you really think of it from production to all the way to um, disposal in such a way that, you know, you know it, it goes back to where it is being produced. So this way, I'm um, starting with glass bottles. We hope to collect them on behalf of these businesses in our store and then uh, give them back to the supplier so that they can reuse them, they can um, sterilize them, disinfect them, and yeah. then you know, yeah, reuse them so we get to minimize also our wastage on packaging. And I know yeah. you said that starting a bit, you know, starting a business in itself is a challenge already. And, you know, and starting a business in a pandemic is a whole other level of challenge. Mm -hmm, yes. What were yeah. some of the challenges you've encountered, especially as, you know, you guys are starting up and you have, mm -hmm. I know you guys are funded, but at the same time, you need, you need to see returns as well. Like how, how were you able to, you know, what are some of the challenges and how did you, um, overcome them or you know what what are your solutions right right yes yeah so um last year uh we had uh to handle problems on the travel restrictions so that mm. was really hard because we were helping farmers who were getting produce from the farms and then they became strict like there were some permits especially um around the borders you know between cities so that yeah. was one. That was the first one. That was a really huge. But fortunately, we got to partner 
with the city agri office and they're very helpful so they help us solve that and then the other challenge is primarily coordinating like being on ground you know with the fm pass and everything it's easier for me because as a doctor like i could just uh, go out and about as a frontliner yeah. but yeah for other people in our team so that also hampered our progress uh also with our sec registration like it's taking quite a long time and yeah then, uh, so yeah those are the ones that really affected us mostly on coordination and being even the store itself like we're putting it on hold because the cases are rising and you know um in such a small space we have to implement social distancing so there are yeah. really lots of things to consider yeah so we have to be more careful but yeah we have to adjust to this new normal so we just have to do uh, things in a smarter way in order for us to continue operating as much as we can and what are some of the processes that you have right now that you feel like when we're all back to normal, whatever that means, when we're all, you know, without this pandemic, without this virus, and yeah. we're back to normal, what are some of the processes that you feel like should stay? And what are those that you feel like, you know, are, are you doing a hybrid? Are you doing online? Or is this going to be all from the store? Mm-hmm, right. So first, I want to probably correct uh, the concept that we'd be going back normal because I think like, you know, where things are at right now, I think we, you know, we're not going back to the old normal. Mm-hmm. We re- you should really move forward to this new normal, even like, you know, I, uh, with the virus mutating and then with climate change, uh, there could be new viruses popping out. So it's a really right. new arrangement from now on. So in order for businesses to move forward, they have to accept um, as early as now that things are not going back to normal and we have to change, we have to adapt with this new normal. So in terms of, yeah, like what would be a nice arrangement? So I think it would be like the hybrid setup, like what we have now is we do things remotely as much as we can. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to packing, to delivery, of course, so aside from their social distancing, so we have to um, meet during those times. And of course, uh, we have these quarterly meetings we're in. These are really long and intense. So it's better to have them in person and also like to foster, you know, the the camaraderie, the um right. Yeah, within the team. So that's also important, you know, just to check on everyone. So yeah, we see each other at least once uh, every quarter, like the whole team, just to uh, check on everyone and then plan yeah. for the next quarter ahead. For the rest, um, we just see each other when it's needed, like physically see each other when it's packing and delivery days. For the other meetings, we just do them via Zoom, and then everything else is coordinated online, which is also better for us because it's with a flexible schedule. I think like um, our staff also prefer it because uh, our part-time staff, one is a student and also a call center agent. 
other one has a family. So I think they also prefer it. And then me as a physician, like I get um, to be exposed to COVID positive patients. Actually, right. it's like 10 times nowadays. So yeah, it's also for their safety. That's why um, we're minimizing, you know, these interactions as much as possible. And when we see each other, there should be always proper ventilation. So we minimize um, AC use. And then we always wear our masks. Uh, face shield is um, not really necessary unless you know you're near each other because it only prevents like droplet uh, infection of the virus through droplets. So yeah, and then we sanitize as much as possible, and then we disinfect as often as we can. Yeah. So yeah, that's but what I, we do. <laughs> I agree yeah. with when you said about meeting quarterly or meeting right. with your team, and I know yeah. when you say meeting, we need to be very cautious still. You know, running a business, it's online is great, but having to meet at least once every quarter and just check in on everyone, yeah. we easily get to be isolated and we can, some businesses, they are successful working in silos and working individually, but mm-hmm. there are just other businesses who, we, you know, we really need to meet with one another and yeah. brainstorm and immerse yeah. in what, what the next quarter is. So yeah. I definitely agree on on, on that mm. part. Um, definitely. Right, right. Yeah, especially these days, like lots of people are feeling lonelier, especially yes. the younger ones. So you really have to watch out for each other and check on each other. Yeah. And that's where I guess that's where my I was supposed uh, you know I plan to the next question would be like where mm-hmm. do you, where do you get your support from as a social entrepreneur I know you said that you're part of the Young Southeast yeah. Asian Leaders Initiative they also have a community uh, community right. I, yeah, yeah. an org organization you also have mm-hmm. the um, shapers. yes shapers yeah. right. Um, where else do you get the support from? I know the gov- you, you mentioned the government agency, the city um, agriculture. Is was that? Yes, yes, yeah. So they're one of our partners. Um, actually, uh, we are having uh, lots of partners nowadays. It's really inspiring, like how mm-hmm. much they want to help. They want to collaborate. So recently, we got um, YMCA on board. So nice. we're going to start partnering with them. Yeah. Um, so they have this cafe. Um, we're going to uh, sell there um, some produce and as well as make free meals for the hungry, for the needy. So we're also going to start like pay it forward coupons where people who can afford more, like they can buy meals, for example, like, you know, uh, 30, 50 peso meals for others who might be hungry. And then they could just, you know, uh, get their meal in that cafe, like anytime that they would need food. But in this sense, um, you know, there's still some form of dignity because they're not begging. And then, you know, the the system of giving is with anonymity so it's not really like you know um in your face na parang mm-hmm. you know you would feel indebted to the one donating or helping out so yeah that's one thing we're starting with ymca so yeah we're really happy with that because the place that was offered to us is quite small and it's just enough for a store and this time with ymca at least we get to um give out the meals also because yeah. They cook there, yeah. They it's a cafe, so they already have existing permits to cook food and serve them. So it's really great. So hopefully it would pan out well. And yeah. um, do you only accept 
sure mm-hmm. plus food you know what 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 is what do you what do you identify as surplus food and yeah. can you know can they offer other uh, you know mm-hmm. non surplus mm, yeah of course um so by surplus what we define on this is basically those that are extra in supply so mm. first um in terms of vegetables and fruits there's what we call um class a class b c d even um but you know there's no strict um standards between these but basically class a are those that are being accepted by malls supermarkets groceries and they're very strict with the standards that these vegetables and fruits have to be flawless have to be of the yeah. right size and you know it's impossible to meet all these specifications because it's it's difficult to mm-hmm. grow them you know and fit wow. into this perfect mold yeah so you know you'd understand the challenge that farmers have because you know it's not easy planting and then being dependent on the weather and everything else all and, these and factors the and the push yeah. for organic produce right right yeah, yeah. so that too so Yeah, so now we're getting just anything in excess supply. So for the class A products that are in surplus, these are what we prioritize to serve to our retail customers through our website and upcoming app. For those that are class B and class C, these are the ones that we resell to bulk buyers. So these bulk buyers are usually less meticulous in terms of the quality in terms of the appearance because they just need it for cooking. Yeah. So these are usually like institutions, charities. So this way they get to save money while also helping farmers. So yeah, that's how we're doing now. Yeah, so hopefully in the future when we get to partner also with groceries and restaurants, yeah, we just take basically anything that is excess in supply but still edible. So it's important that it's clean and edible. Yeah. Mm. So that's basically. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, another um I I'm not it's very I'm curious while you're sharing your passion and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. How right. when do you wear your entrepreneur hat and then your doctor hat? You know, <laughs> how how do you combine all of these things? Right, right. Yeah. Um wow, that's a funny and difficult question. <laughs> um, yeah, uh Yeah, actually it's it has been difficult for me to be honest. So whenever I'm in the hospital, I try to focus as much as possible with patients of course and then whenever there are no patients, that's mm-hmm. when I go online and then I try to work on surplus um with my phone or a laptop if it's wow. not too busy. And then yeah, uh we also have like presentations, quizzes because I'm still um undergoing training, a specialty training, so it's also like really challenging. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so lots to yeah, do. My, right. So my first priority is really uh being a physician also because it's the one that's you know sustaining me, so I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> it's my source of income. So actually like if If I were given a choice like I would love to go full time on surplus but it's not just feasible right now mm-hmm. so of course I have to be pragmatic so yeah I'm uh my pro- my first priority is being a doctor and then whenever there is extra time uh that's when I 
a lot of time for surplus and other things. And what I found to be really effective is that I block like a 30 minute, like in my schedule, like I have these these 30 minute blocks, right? Mm -hmm. I would focus on this first, whenever I'm free, whenever I'm, I'm no longer on duty in the hospital. And then, yeah, I take quick breaks in the middle. It's like, it's quite similar to the Pomodoro technique. Mm -hmm. You've heard of it. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So for chores, for other stuff. Yeah, I do them in between. I actually have a friend who told me that, you know, my life is quite sad since during my break time, I do chores. So, you know, when do I actually get to take a break? And yeah, that's actually a good point. And then I I miss, yeah, I miss doing what I love, like reading, for example. Like I got so many books already left. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm actually taking back some of that also and really and allotting like some personal time so now like 30 minutes at the start and at the end of the day I have this time that's really just for myself I don't check my phone you know I just do like what I want to do what I have to do for myself you right. know just to be able to be still be sane and you know yeah um, but it's the same if it's not if it's not in my calendar it's not happening right. It's just, right, yeah. we're, we're in, especially now everything is online and it's hard to draw boundaries on right. some things, <laughs> especially right. if you're an entrepreneur as well. Some you're, you are the boss, you control your time. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. harder, it's harder to manage yeah. time, but with blo- time blocking, calendar blocking, it's really, yeah, it's really helpful. Yes, yeah. And then I try to do things as soon as I can, because you never know, you know, whenever something comes up or an emergency, you always have to be prepared for it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, actually, like, in line with that, I'd like to apologize to some of um, our teammates or staff, because sometimes when I'm on duty, and then um, I'm awake because of a patient at 2 or 3 a.m., then I couldn't sleep back. So I just do some work on surplus and then yeah, I, I leave the messages, you know, it's, they don't have to reply right away or what, but yeah, yeah I think it puts some pressure on them that I leave them messages so early. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah so it. You're, you have to do what you have mm-hmm. to do at the time that you have. Right. So I understand yeah. that. Also, Dr. I mean, the we always mm-hmm. ask our guests if there's, you know, you've shared a lot of golden nuggets already, but if there's mm-hmm. any advice you can share especially to our fellow social entrepreneurs, especially those that are starting, what's one advice or, you know, what are the advices that you can share? Probably for entrepreneurs, it would be one to come up with uh, comprehensive solutions to complex problems, because as social entrepreneurs, actually it's a good thing that more people nowadays are starting social enterprises because they're being seen as more effective than NGOs. So like funders are actually um, supporting more social enterprises this time because, you know, when your um, solution is smart and sustainable enough, then investors, especially nowadays, um, that there are impact investors already. Mm -hmm. So they are particularly more attracted to that um, compared to just uh, doing NGO work. And then um, 
yeah so it's difficult because these problems are complex and you have to come up with a comprehensive solution because if not if it's just you know a simplistic a short-term solution then it's not really going to solve the problem it will be more difficult it will really take you out of your comfort zone but you know you have to do what you have to do you will be really challenged but you know, you just have to go back if you're actually doing impact or you're just doing something nice because that's what I see it like. Um, sometimes some people, you know, they think that they're doing enough, but mm. actually when you look at it from a third-person point of view, it's not enough to meet um, the need, you know, the, the problem that you have to solve. And, um, yeah, I feel like also if you're not um, being brought out of your comfort zone you haven't tried enough so that's one thing and in line with that I think it's important also that as entrepreneurs you have to be resourceful and resilient so resourceful in the sense that um for us like we started we're just lucky because we we got that grant um to support us but before we got the grant like we started with taking orders via Facebook page by Google form so it's very simplistic Mm -hmm. and our customers have to type, have to just select. You know, it's it's far than the convenience that they get nowadays with the website. And then we're coming up with points that the customers can accumulate with every order. So it's really nice with the website. But yeah, we just got lucky because we got uh, funding for it. But also before that, we were really tapping on partners. We were looking for uh, collaborations, you know, just to uh, push things mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. So, yeah, we actually started talking to this IT company even before we got the grant, you know, thinking like, how can we make things sustainable? Because also when we started, we couldn't help smallholder farmers because they're afraid that they won't be able to meet the demand. But with the website, since we can put like the maximum, there's this counter where you can put a maximum quantity per product. So we yeah. got to help a smallholder farmer since then. So, yeah, it's really important to be resourceful. We saved lots of money, lots of time on partnering with different institutions and individuals. And there are so many who are willing to help, especially if you are solving a problem, you're doing a good cause. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, taking the effort, taking the time to talk to them and really um, having uh, ends meet. So that really helped us. It's very important that you're resourceful. And then second, it's important that you're resilient because there are many times, especially last year, like we were thinking, you know, if this is sustainable, it's so difficult. Like, you know, in in the business, it's really going up and down. It's never like a straight line. It's never (laughs) stable, you know, that would be boring too. And then if, of course, um, it wouldn't just go up also, like, you know, it's, it's not how things work. So when you, whenever you enter, whenever you start a business, you really have to like it so much and, um, you know, be ready to see through it, especially to the difficult times and, um, you have to go back to why you started it in the first place to the vision that you want to accomplish in order for you to really stay and yeah be resilient so yeah those are probably my advice for um social entrepreneurs uh, uh come up with a comprehensive solution for a complex problem and when you have found that solution be resourceful in starting it and be resilient in order mm, to, nice. to sustain yeah what you started 
Yeah. That's a that's that's a great advice to especially mm-hmm. social enterprise. Most mm-hmm. majority that I see or I've met are younger mm-hmm. generation. They right. they need this advice because you're right. It's not a straight line. <laughs> it's a roller yes, coaster, yeah. right? Yeah, Plus even I have <laughs> Yeah, and then um nowadays I think like the young ones um they tend to give up more easily. Mm. Or maybe because, you know, they're used to like social media, to everything on the internet being easy to acquire, you know, with such, with minimal effort. So, you know, it's it's different when you're running a business on the ground. So I think many would be surprised with that. So, yeah, it's important that they know from the start, yeah, what yeah. they might get into. Yeah. And then entrepreneurship is sometimes glamorized or romanticized right. by social yes. media. And then when you yeah. are right in the right like mother, it, it's, it's hard. A lot yeah, of people yeah. would say like, oh, I wish I wish I was you or something. You know, I wish I have mm-hmm. a business. I'm like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> this right, is not, yeah, it's not yeah. Easy. It's really not mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, they don't see the risk, the effort that you know right. you have to put, because it's like the tip of the iceberg. Like you just see what's good, but yeah, it's it's yeah. really like hard work. Yeah, it'll yeah. test but, uh, you. If you if you do all the hard work and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the rewards too are crazy great maybe they you know right. working with i know jason and liz they're great people oh, right. um, okay yeah, yeah. I, met, I met i think with jason we spoke oh, right. at, yeah um yeah. i think i i met i met him there uh-huh. um, oh okay i see i met liz yeah. through jci mm-hmm. and mm, right, right. weekend as well yeah. so. mm-hmm. and, and, and they say davao is the largest city but it's really small people know each other mm-hmm. Right, yeah, 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 actually. Yeah, it's like same people are active in these circles. But it's actually really nice because when I was in Manila, it's it's a huge community. It's difficult to get in touch, you know, like per city, it's different. Yeah, so it's it's easier to actually collaborate here in Davao. Yeah, yeah I also heard that, that comment where mm-hmm. in Davao, it's just the community and collaboration here is mm-hmm. really good right. rather yeah, than looking yeah. at it as competition. They right. are yeah. more into collaboration rather yeah. than competition. So we're kind of lucky that we're here. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like there are so many people in Manila who are intimidating and actually like, it's really inspiring also that lots of oldies are, you know, those who are already in their fifties. They're also very mm-hmm. helpful yeah, like yes. if you ask help from them or especially if you're looking for mentors, they're very willing. So it's really nice actually that yeah, people here in Dava are into helping each other and it's really nice. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned running a business is that all these elder entrepreneurs, these veterans or experienced mm-hmm. and successful ones, when I they just tell me if you if you need our help, just ask. Right. And we, yeah. we have that we have that in, you know we're intimidated and we have that bias True. in our head that oh he's you know he's not approachable or she's this she's so you know she's up there and I'm just down yeah. here but when you talk to yeah. them they were just they're just very casual and nonchalant about it they were just like just ask I mean I'm right, here right. you know yeah yeah that's exactly. a conception yeah they're very approachable and then actually what's also nice with the social enterprise community like since it's about helping people so by nature like 
people there are really into helping other entrepreneurs. And then I, I really appreciate it, especially compared to other people from the startup community, because sometimes like they... I don't know, like they like to, um, they see the potential in uh, Sureplus being a startup, although I, I see it now as a social enterprise first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and in the startup world, like it's it's a totally different ballgame. It's very challenging because you have to scale fast. And yes. for me, it's not just the way to go. Like it, it's case to case basis, like for business, um, even if you have a tech component, you shouldn't rely on the tech because before we survived without um, these tech uh, solutions. And in order for us to be sustainable, we have to consider that possibility. You know, what if you know some errors or whatever would happen with the software or some security breach or you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, and then um. It's it's the pressure of scaling fast in the startup world could actually like hinder the growth, the sustainability of the business, you know, because you would be pressured to have this much profit. You yeah. could actually burn lots of money to meet that profit. But in the end, in the long run, your business won't be sustainable. So I think that's also one thing that um, entrepreneurs should be careful about. Like they have to really assess if their business is um, able to scale fast, like if it's really yeah. um, for a startup. But for me, like, you know, it, it's better to make things uh, stable at first and be sustainable. And then after, when you really see that there's potential to scale, then that's when you go into um, the startup world. Yeah, because I notice like others are starting like at the early stages, they're already um, labeling their um, businesses as startups. Although, of course, some have, you know, um, uh, they some qualify for that. They have merit for uh, calling themselves that. But I feel like the others are just pressuring themselves. Like instead yeah. of, yeah, instead of delivering impact, they are there to um, deliver profits for investors. So it's it's not really nice. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not that supportive of the capitalist um, economy that we have. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think this pandemic has showed us that um, part of the new normal is for us to shift to transition towards this more sustainable kind of economy. So there's actually this um, donut economics uh, that's being proposed, I think, was in Netherlands. Um, they already started on it. Basically, it's saying that it's not all about the money, you know. Um, what's money for if you know you mm-hmm. um, you don't have trees, you don't have food, you can't eat money by itself. You know, it, it actually doesn't have value by itself, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. Like we have to think more about uh, sustainability than um, the um, old conceptions of what success is. That it's all about money. Because yeah. nowadays, it's more important to actually be sustainable and have an impact, especially now that the younger generations are looking for jobs that really empower them. So I've heard yeah. that um, they're actually even willing to take lower paying jobs in exchange for a more a sense of fulfillment or empowerment. So I think that's one thing that's also inspiring of the younger generations, the younger entrepreneurs nowadays. Yeah, so that's 
something. A lot of the times we got a lot of you know, I hear mm-hmm. I hear people saying no. Oh, Regina, um, yeah. you need to grow. You need to scale. And right. I, yeah. I always have one answer for them. I'm not ready. We are not right. ready. Yeah. We don't have the yeah. facilities. We don't have the right. infrastructure. We, we're yeah. not ready. And we have that right. pressure to grow, to scale, to be this, to be that. And, you know, at right. the end of the day, you own your business. You know the status of your True. business. If right, it's not right. for you, it's not for you. If you're not ready, you're not ready. You just have to right. be honest yeah. with yourself and with right. your team. And yeah, you yeah. just you just do what you do. Yeah, right. Because you know yourself best. You know your business, your company best. You know your team best. So you know when's the right time for you to scale. And actually, like, yeah, in, in line with this, it reminds me of um, what Sherplus experienced before when we just started. Um, so when the uh, lockdowns were um, imposed so people couldn't go out so much to go to the market etc like the orders really boomed so fast um it really stressed us out like we got to earn a lot but also like it stressed us out because we're not able to um, meet uh, the demands of some yeah. customers like there were also some suppliers who kind of um, because they were already delivering like huge amounts to us, you know, there are some produce that are not of good quality that they inserted in the middle or at the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. we couldn't check everything and then in the packing. So, you know, and then, so of course customers would get disappointed. So it was really like, it was a mess. Like you were just trying to catch up with the orders, but yeah, so that taught us a lesson that, you know, there's always a right time for everything. So Right yeah. now, yeah, we're just taking things slowly <laughs> but surely, yeah, because it's it's more difficult if you know um it fails and you have to go back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, so I think we're um almost um at the end. I mean, where oh, okay. can they reach you mm-hmm. and your services and your products? I mean, I know you you right. said your website, but how can we yeah. and the rest of the listeners support mm-hmm. Cure Plus um, the best. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so our website is uh, shortplus.net. That's S-U-R-E-P-L-U-S dot net, N-E-T. Um, so yeah, our contact details are also there in the website. And then um, we're actually looking for partner resellers, um, especially in areas where, you know, there are no stalls, there are no... Um, you know, small marketplaces that sell produce. So um, we're giving like wholesale prices that are lower than usual so that um, people could resell. And then, um, yeah, we're also looking for donors, uh, especially for upcoming food bank and also those with um, local businesses uh, who want to be part of that store. So we're going to make like, uh, it's like a concept store we're, priori- we're going to prioritize like food businesses, but we're also open to those who are selling handicrafts, etc. Since mm. um, these are also the ones, yeah, who are also greatly affected by the pandemic. So we hope to uh, give them some space in our store and also um, display their products on our website because we are also going to have their products um 
you know, up for grabs in exchange for the points that people get um, whenever they order from us. So yeah, so this way we don't only get to help farmers, but also, you know, local creators, local artists also with yeah. this. So yeah, um, that's it basically. Yeah, everything's on our website, our number and our email there. So yeah, um, you could just visit that. And on Facebook, I'm Doc Jill. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not uh, using my uh, family name, my whole name for privacy reasons. And because I don't have a second name, so that's how I decided. And Facebook yeah. requires a first name and last name. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm you've got, Doc Jill. You've got, quite, you've got vegan stuff too. So your, your products are yeah. a yeah, wide range Yes, yeah. So we have a vegan meat on our website. Um, we prioritize them because uh, these are plant-based ones. Basically, a plant-based diet is um, better for our planet because um, in the production of meat, you know, you feed um, cows, pigs with uh, all these feeds that you take from crops. The whole process of um, having meat products, it actually... Um, wastes lots of water and um, you know you make lots of waste from uh, methane production from um, t uh, all these um, uh, poultry uh, that you have to produce so yeah there were actually uh, before there were some uh, meat sellers that tried to uh, ask help from us but also because it's difficult handling uh, the yeah. meat products so yeah that's why we are uh, less uh, prioritizing them and thankfully these vegan meat products they are easier to handle so it's like a win-win for us because we believe in them more than actually having meat products so yeah it's actually nice because if you're in for a healthy diet also now we're having more organic suppliers that are at affordable prices so if you're trying to have a healthy diet like me yeah. unfortunately it has not been easy mm -hmm. with this fast-paced life but yeah it's it's totally um doable you you can find almost everything on our website we also have like organic um black rice etc so yeah it's really yeah. nice Wait, so we can place orders and pay from your website and all that right right yes yes right nice. yeah yeah okay that's sureplus.net okay. we'll definitely yes. try it out yeah. um, thank, Dr. You, thank, thank you so much again for yes. your time and for sharing surplus with yeah. us and yeah Good night. talking to you yeah i hope i'll see you around soon right yep yep yeah all right thank, thank you so much uh dr mm -hmm. gel and um yeah, you. i'll see you around Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Disrupt Davao Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast and the businesses we feature with a friend. And if you really love what you heard, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, rate and review on iTunes, and please follow us on Spotify. That will really help us get the best guests, improve the podcast, so we're serving you a podcast that you want to hear. So until our next episode, please stay safe and healthy. Bye for now.